It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today's episode is mostly going to be a second part. I just said a very interesting. Do you ever do that and like you consider ignoring a weird sound noise pronunciation that came out of your mouth, but then part of you really wants to acknowledge it? I could have just restarted, but anyways, that is part of the journey of podcasting is sometimes saying weird things and not wanting to restart. So welcome to the show. This is part two, technically. A follow-up, perhaps, is a better term, to last Monday's episode in which I talked about my experience going on a retreat in Costa Rica. And that episode ended up being a little on the long side, so I decided to break it up and share the story behind the next part of my trip, because Almost immediately after I returned from Costa Rica, I went to Singapore by way of Manila. And on the way back to Los Angeles, I had a long layover in Fiji. So I'm going to share about that. Before I get into it, though, I will share a little behind the scenes of life because I feel like sharing that in this moment. Being transparent about my mental health journey is really important, especially as I've been going through my coaching training for those that didn't listen to the previous episode in which I shared. I recently enrolled in a coaching certification training program, meaning that not only am I working on my skills as a health, wellness, well-being coach, I am also on my way to getting certified, being a board-certified coach for that, which I'm not 100% sure I'm going to do the certification. I feel probably 90% sure. But I'm doing this training because I think it can really support what I do here on the podcast. It will certainly support my work with my private community Beyond Measure, if you didn't know about that yet. I've been running that for over two years now. It started in summer 2020. And that Beyond Measure project came out of my interest in well-being, emotional well-being, as well as connecting, building community, huge part of well-being, and wanting to have a space that felt more private and psychologically safe for me and anyone else who wanted to join. And it's become one of the greatest joys of my life. You are welcome to join it. I've mentioned recently how it's been free for over two years, and I do plan to include some sort of monthly membership fee, which I will intend to always keep low. I just haven't gotten there yet. It hasn't been a priority for me to charge because I don't look at it as a source of profit for me. I look at it as a place to build community and really just generating some revenue to keep all the costs minimal. Anyways, I have been wanting in there to create more structure for well-being because that's at the core of all of my work these days. And I haven't felt sometimes qualified, I suppose, 
even though technically you can be a coach, you can run training programs, you can offer support to people without being certified by the board, without going through training, you can do it all by personal experience. You can do it based on your own research. It does not have to be formal training. I've been told this from many people. I personally, given my passion for research and scientific data, really wanted to have that experience and knowledge. And the reason I'm not sure about getting board certified is I'm not sure how much of my career I want to center around well-being coaching. And I want to be very transparent with you the whole journey. And along this experience, even just in the past week or so since I started that program, I've really started to notice a lot of personal growth for myself. So that's a huge benefit of doing any sort of training. It's not just for you to help others, but it really helps you too. And I think actually the best coaches, therapists, psychologists are those that are constantly working on themselves, those that have a mentor, those that also go to therapy. And on that note too, a new announcement. Two days ago, I finally got assigned a new therapist. I've been waiting for at least six months because through my insurance, they offer included, like I don't have to pay a copay to have an, a therapist if I go through my insurance's therapy program. However, they have a long waiting list and it took the whole year thus far till end of July 2022 for me to get assigned one. And I am so excited to start therapy. (laughs) And it's like, what a time I'm in right now because travel has been very therapeutic because I'm going to talk about it brings up a lot of emotions. It helps me think about a lot. It raises my awareness, my mindfulness. Doing this coaching program is certainly bringing that up. And then actually having a therapist, someone that I'm talking to, I'm not doing the work with somebody else, is something I'm really looking forward to. I haven't seen in an official therapy setting anyone since probably 2017 or 18. It's been four or five years. And There's a bunch of things I want to process. There are things I haven't even shared in the podcast yet that I've been wanting to do episodes about, but wanting to have some more professional support before I dive into them. And then along that lines, another update is that regardless of if you did or didn't know this about me, I was on anxiety medication, anti-anxiety, I guess. And I also think it covered depression, a lot of challenges I was having emotionally. I started that medication, I believe, sometime in 2021. And it was a prescription medication. And I felt conflicted about taking it, but I was struggling pretty hard for a little while. I never had any super detrimental thoughts, thank goodness, but I just felt like I needed some deep help. And I through my insurance, got a psychiatrist, and she told me straight up that therapy would be the best option for me, but if I want to take medication in the meantime, she would prescribe me some. Initially, actually, the episode I believe I talked about that experience was when I was starting to explore whether or not I had ADHD. And again, if you're brand new to the show, hello, welcome to my transparent... (laughs) discussions in which I put everything out on the table. 
that psychiatrist said that she didn't believe I had ADHD. She believed that I had anxiety or an anxiety disorder. And I don't agree with her. I really believe based on everything I've learned about ADHD as well as autism spectrum disorder that I am on both a spectrum. I don't know if ADHD counts as a spectrum. Anyways, I've come to a different conclusion than her, but I did take her advice and I started looking for a therapist and I decided to take the medication. And back in spring of this year, probably in April, 2022, I went off the medication And I talked to her in May and I said, I don't feel like it's doing enough for me to justify taking it, but I'm working on getting the therapist. So I want to be really transparent about all these things because I want to open it up and create psychological safety with you. That's incredibly important to me. That to me is one of the most important missions I'm on because I feel the deepest sense of relief when I experience psychological safety, and that's definitely going to play a role in this episode as I talk about travel. And as I've gone through my coaching psychology manual, I'm noticing how important that is for clients too. I mean, it sounds really obvious, but I think leading by example is key. Now, what's interesting, actually, one of the biggest things that I've learned while going through the coaching training, which has only been a few sessions so far, is to do more listening and less talking. (laughs) And I thought to myself, wow, that's going to be one of my bigger challenges. But I've said on many episodes that if there's anything I dislike about a podcast, it's that it's a one-way experience. Even when I have a guest, the two of us are talking, but you are just sitting there listening. So bravo to you. If you listen to my podcast and other podcasts, maybe you could be a great coach because listening skills are a huge element of successful coaching, I've learned. But I would love to have it be a back and forth, and I am going to be practicing a lot more listening. So it's shifting. It's bringing me into a completely different side. I've examined my experience with coaching thus far. I've been coaching off and on, not in well-being, but in various things like social media marketing. I've been doing that for about 12 years now. And I've been really reflecting on how many times I was giving more advice and stepping into an expertise role versus the coach role, which is actually at its best when you allow somebody to make their own decisions, have more autonomy, to be guided, to be listened to. And I'm looking forward to receiving that from a therapist soon. I'm looking forward to practicing that more. But on the podcast, this is where I will talk. (laughs) So that is my personal update for you as far as I can reflect in this moment. Another quick update, though, before I kick this off, is when you listen to this episode, I will likely be on the road again. I am going on my next cross-country road trip. I summarized a road trip I did in May 2022, and from August to November 2022, I will be traveling once again by car and going all over the West Coast. Huge part of that my trip is up there. I'm going to spend a little time in Canada, and then I'll be in northern United States, then headed to spend time with my family and friends on the East Coast, and then I circle back down around to the southern route generally to get back to LA 
later this year. So of course, I will share things with you. But just for context, I'm recording this episode on July 27th. And it's always interesting to know that I'm going to be like in a different state of mind by the time you hear this. It's another thing that I don't love about podcasting. My team that I work with would love for me to submit episodes 10 days in advance. And generally, that's what I aim to do. But 10 days feels like a very long time because so much of me and you and the world is constantly changing. So I always try to be very mindful of that gap. Before I get into the rest of this episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge my brand partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product called AG1. I started taking this right before I did some international traveling because I want to take extra good care of my gut health and immune system. And it was awesome. I have trouble remembering to take a bunch of supplements. And especially when I'm going somewhere, I don't want to like bring all these capsules with me. So I really appreciated having this all-in-one powder and they actually have it in individual packet sizes. It was perfect. I drank it every morning at the hotel. When I was traveling on the airplane, I had it. If I was on the way somewhere, like in a car, I took it with me and it was just super easy to put into my water. And it just gave me peace of mind knowing that it was supporting my digestion, my sleep quality, mental clarity, my recovery from all the travel and the exercise that I was doing. It tastes really good too. It only has one gram of sugar and yet tastes like a delicious tropical juice at a much cheaper price. It's less than $3 a day. And that's exciting because there's a little perk for you. Athletic Greens is going to give you five free travel pack sizes plus a free year one supply of their immune supporting vitamin D, which I take as well. I'll tell you about another time. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. And you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance just like me. If you are, have any any trouble, the link is in the description of the episode. It's also in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. Check it out and let me know what you think. With no further ado, let's talk about Singapore, Fiji, and a tad about the Philippines. So I came back from Costa Rica on July 13th. My flight was really early left there at 9am, not super early, but I had to actually leave the retreat center at 4am that morning. And it was on a different time zone. So I think it was an hour ahead of LA. So I technically left at 3am Pacific time. I got into LA at 1.30pm Pacific time. One huge recommendation I have for you, because this was a game changer and has been many times, is something called global entry which if you sign up for it, usually you have to do it several months in advance before international travel. When you come back into the United States, it is so quick to get through customs. (laughs) And I mentioned that because I had a turnaround time between my Costa Rica trip and this Singapore trip. And I was amazed. I got off the plane, walked practically right through customs. I stopped and there's like a machine that scans your whole face. I think I had to take my mask down for it. And it recognizes you, which was 
borderline creepy, but also very cool. And all these people next to me were waiting in line for, I would guess, at least 30 minutes. It took me a few seconds to go through customs. So I did carry on only. I talked about that in the previous episode. Highly recommend that too. Although a big lesson I learned between Costa Rica and Singapore is switching bags. I had enough time between the two flights, one arriving at 1.30 p.m., the next departing. I think it was supposed to depart at 10.30, but I didn't end up leaving till midnight that night. My flight was delayed. But between that timeline, I got to go back home and switch out my bags. I talked in the previous episode about using a brand called Pact, P-A-K-T. Great bag. Highly recommend them. I will link to that brand as well as anything else I mentioned in the show notes for this episode. So if you go to com, that is where the show notes for this episode live. A full transcript, all of the links are in the very bottom section and throughout the transcript. So Packed Bags, they sponsored me years ago, sent me this great carry-on bag. However, two drawbacks. One, for a week-long trip to Costa Rica, it was a little too small. It was busting at the seams. (laughs) I felt super anxious about that because the measurements of, I think, the width were a little too big, but they never made me. They never measured it, so it wasn't a huge deal. Easily fit in the compartment above the seats. But it was heavy. I don't know how much it weighed, but it was heavy on my shoulder And it was heavy, awkward to carry with my hands. It was, in all things considered, nice for Costa Rica because there were a ton of like bumpy dirt roads there, which a roller bag would not have worked well on. So what part of my experience there is having to walk down, I think like half a mile or something, and a roller bag would have been a bit of a nightmare. However, when I got back to LA, I put everything in a small roller bag to bring to Singapore. And I am so grateful. It was so nice to walk through the airport with a roller bag. I think it was the Swiss Army bag. Nothing. It's a really old bag. So um, (laughs) it was great. And the wheels like turn in multiple directions. If you're shopping for a new carry-on bag, highly recommend a couple things. One is get a lightweight bag. Huge issue. While that bag was great It was a little too heavy. It was one inch bigger than it was supposed to be for carry-on international. So double check the weight requirements or the maximums and the size maximums for every airline because they can be a little different. I found out when I got to the airport, flying Philippines Airlines to Singapore, or Philippine Airlines technically, they weighed my bag and it was like 10 pounds too heavy. I was shocked. First of all, I was completely caught off guard by that. (laughs) It didn't even cross my mind. And throughout a lot of my trip experiences, I thought it'd be so nice if there was an in-depth checklist available from the airlines that helped you go through all these details. Because for someone like me who's hyper-organized in research, I read the travel requirements, but my brain skipped over the weight stuff. Like a checklist though would have been golden. Maybe I'll make my own one day. I'm sure somebody else has one, but I think the airline should make them. Anyways, 
get to the airport, feeling all confident. The woman checking me in asked for a number of things. So another thing I recommend, especially if it's still during the pandemic when you're traveling, is checking each country's entry requirements. This was a lot harder and more confusing than I thought it was going to be. Maybe it's the way my brain works, but it was like glazing over and I had to go to multiple sites to reference things, reading things multiple times. There was pop-up windows and alerts and everything is changing. Like that was a tough part about travel. But luckily, I had done enough research. And when you go to the Philippines, they have this program, I think, called One Health. And it's a little barcode that you get. So you fill out a form in advance. When you get to the airport, you needed to present that. And then when I transferred planes, again, my flight went from LA to Manila in the Philippines and then from Manila to Singapore. When I got to Manila, just transferring planes in the airport, I had to show this special barcode. And I also needed the entry requirements for Singapore, which were different. I forget what they call it, but I had filled both of them out and printed them both out. I thought I was going above and beyond, but when I got to the check-in, it seemed like what they needed. They also needed proof of re-entry to the United States because I did not buy a round-trip ticket to the Philippine Airlines. Another tip for you is I use a few different sites to figure out the best schedule and the best prices. I love Google Flights, so I mainly use them, but it has some issues. Because I was going from Costa Rica to Singapore and back to LA, I needed to type in all these variables. So I ended up doing a bunch of one-way ticket prices. I was looking to see if it made sense to go to San Francisco to get to Singapore. Did I want to fly nonstop to Singapore, which is, I think, about 16 hours from Los Angeles. It's one of the longest flights in the world, not just from LA, actually. New York to Singapore, I believe, is the longest flight. If it's nonstop, it's about 19 hours. Kind of nuts. Literally on the other side of the world, 12-hour time difference from New York. So anyways, I had to show proof that I was coming back to LA, so I had to present all of that. Wasn't prepared to show that. Then they weighed my bag and told me, my carry-on was too heavy, and I panicked. But I thought quick on my feet. <laughs> One thing I tried, which was, I don't recommend, not an ethical choice. Why, I don't even know why I'm sharing this, but in full transparency, I kind of like pulled my bag off the scale. So it was like half on there, half off, and it showed that it was it weighed less than it actually did. I don't think she realized I did it on purpose, but she pulled it back on and I was like, oh no. And in that moment, the woman checking me in said like, I had to reconfigure my bags or check my bag. And I was terrified to check my bag because A, I had to transfer, it wasn't nonstop. And B, there have been horror stories of people losing baggage on flights, especially internationally. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, not doing this. So I took some things out temporarily, put them in my backpack, which is considered my personal item. And then after I finished checking it, I put them back in my checked bag. Again, not ethical, do not recommend it, but that's what I did. It all fit perfectly. My bag was like the right width, aside from being one inch too long, but it all worked out. It fit perfectly in the overhead compartment and it was never weighed again. The interesting thing is that that woman said that it was going to be checked again 
by TSA and they were going to charge me money. I don't know if there was a miscommunication or something, but she was very concerned, but it all was fine. Speaking of TSA, I believe I mentioned in the previous episode how I requested special accommodations. There's a program called TSA Cares. If you have any type of disability, whether that's physical, mental, whatever, if you have special needs, you can request support through TSA. And I decided to try that out. Game changer, especially after going through that check-in process, I felt so anxious because it was something I wasn't expecting. I thought that I was so prepared, but I wasn't. There was knowledge I didn't have. And for me, that creates a huge ripple effect. One of the things I struggle with the most, and this I've researched is a characteristic of ASD, autism spectrum disorder. I think it's ASD. I get confused sometimes because I have a lot of characteristics of both ADHD and ASD. So anyways, one of the two makes it really hard with communication and unexpected changes. So both happened. I felt like there were miscommunications between me and the check-in person. And I had unexpected change that triggered a lot of fear. I felt confused. I felt unsupported. I felt very nervous about flying in general. So much was going through my head. I was incredibly grateful that I had requested support through TSA. So an officer met me at the area where you walk into TSA. So most airports are definitely in Los Angeles. They have two checkpoints. There's a checkpoint before you wait in line. So you kind of have to like wait in line to wait in line. Someone checks to make sure your boarding pass is correct. And then you go wait in another line and someone checks your passport and your boarding pass. Then you go through TSA. So the woman met me in between and oh my gosh, it's like a VIP service. And I want to be very transparent that this should not be abused. I would be devastated from anybody that needs this service if it was taken advantage of. Because right now it feels a little on the honor system. You submit online and an officer is in touch with you and they can guide you through TSA. Even just thinking about this right now brings up my anxiety again. Like that's how intense it is for me. And to have somebody walk me through as they did both for the flight to Singapore and the flight to Costa Rica was like, I could have cried. I was so relieved and felt so supported and felt like I needed it on a level that I didn't realize I've probably had most of my life. And I'll explain another side of this later for my return trip. But she helped me through TSA and it was like I could feel my whole body relax. Like it felt almost like I had a parent or a therapist or somebody. Like I felt like my brain could shut off. And that's something that I wonder how many other people experience that. I know travel anxiety is very common. So if you experience it, I would love to hear what does that feel like for you? Because it also made me reflect on how incredibly stressful and unsupportive most airport experiences are. I mean, they feel deeply chaotic, even though generally it's amazing what you can accomplish, right? Like you're getting on an airplane and for my case, flying almost the other side of the world from Los Angeles is insane. 
you know, my flight, I think was 14 hours to Manila alone. And I'm on this plane thinking, whoa, this is nuts. It's the farthest I think I've ever flown before. And that's a miracle. And so just the fact that all that stuff runs well is amazing. But the amount of confusion and mistakes and like all these other variables that go on is just nuts. And I also want to note that I'm aware that TSA actually has a lot of accessibility issues. I've seen countless stories of wheelchairs being broken, of canes being broken, of people that have physical disabilities not getting the accommodations they need, not being taken seriously, having to replace highly valuable things. And my heart goes out to them. So this is by no means a perfect system. But for what I needed, it was a game changer. Anyway, so I get through TSA, got to my flight. I was really nervous about COVID the entire time. At least going there, actually, I should pause. Once I get there, it was a little bit of a different experience. But I was wearing two KN95 masks plus a face shield. And in hindsight, I'm extremely glad that I did. Because to jump forward a little bit, when I returned back to Los Angeles, I had a COVID scare. I was experiencing unusual body aches. And they weren't like anything I've experienced quite before. They felt like I was either being, I had like bruises on parts of my body or that I had just worked out and was recovering, but nothing had incited that experience. So I thought, great, like this must mean I'm getting COVID, but I had two negative tests and was going to test a third time and then suddenly no symptoms whatsoever. So hopefully I never had it. I still, who knows, maybe I did. But I kept thinking to myself, wow, after everything I did to protect myself from COVID, I may have still gotten it. So after going through that scare, I have zero shame or embarrassment or whatever about wearing two masks and a face shield. So I did that. Plus, I was very mindful about any time I took my mask off. I was trying not to take it off at all, but because I was traveling for so long, I wanted to eat. A lot of scientists, researchers, health experts had been recommending not eating in the airport or on the plane and trying not to drink. And I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to do this for this long flight? And I weighed out the pros and cons and said, all right, well, if I can do this as mindfully as possible, I feel like it's worth the risk. (laughs) So... I was feeling hungry when I got to the airport. I was there like three hours before my flight and then that was delayed. So I brought a Dr. McDougal's or I think they're called Right Foods now. They're these wonderful old school vegan soups. And my favorite one is the split pea soup. So I brought that with me. And then I went to a cafe at the airport and asked for hot water. They don't charge you for it. Handed it to me. I brought just the cup. I just like dumped the water, combined it. And then once I got to my gate, I found a little area where there were actually tables and barely anyone around there. And I sat and I ate my food as quickly as possible with my face shield on. (laughs) And that was great. One thing I wasn't expecting is once I got on the flight, within like an hour, an hour and a half, they served a meal. At least it felt like that time. 
I mentioned in the previous episode that I am going to do, or I would like to do, I intend to do a series on my whole flight experience and the timing of it, because I'm super curious about those details. So I actually had marked down like what time I was fed. (laughs) So yes, I received a wonderful meal. Another accommodation that you can request is a special meal. On Philippine Airlines, I think all of my meals happened to be gluten-free. They served bread on the side, but the actual food, I believe, was gluten-free or looked gluten-free. I have a little video of that. I'm going to pull up in the background. But they served a side of bread and vegan butter. It was smart balance with the word vegan on it. And then I got a... Yeah, a little meal. I think it looks like it was rice and chickpeas and roasted vegetables. It was really good. I was quite impressed. The other cool thing I think I mentioned on another episode, but worth mentioning again, is from a COVID standpoint, a huge advantage was that they would serve my meal about 10 or 15 minutes before everybody else's. The flight attendants would walk around and pass out all the special meals, and then they would do the service to the rest of the plane where that you would have like two options. So I got to eat before everybody else was eating, which meant that I was had less exposure. Part of the reason, but on that note, by the way, is I've seen so many videos of people that have taken on these CO2 monitors onto airplanes and measured the amounts at various points, like in the airport, on the runway, in the air, et cetera, even in the bathrooms. And they have basically used that to show like your kind of risk factor based on how much CO2 is circulating in the airplane. And that's why they came to the conclusion that if you can eat your food when most people are wearing their masks again, if at all, then you're more protected than if you eat at the same time with everybody else. So getting a special meal in advance was an advantage. I will mention that both Philippine Airlines that I flew to Singapore and Fiji Airways, which I flew to Los Angeles, at the time of my flight in July 2022, they both required masks and people were very good about it. On my flight to Costa Rica and back through Alaska Airlines, they did not require masks. So very different experience. So the food was lovely. I kind of just hung out. I slept as much as I could. Before this trip, I used an app called Time Shifter, which oddly they charge for, but it's a pretty advanced customized app you can download on your phone that helps you reduce jet lag. In addition to that, I took some homeopathic jet lag medication that you can buy in a lot of stores as well as on various websites. And you take it every two hours. First is at the time that you depart and then two hours from there until you get to your destination. Not sure if it helped. Really couldn't tell. This very subtle, but it gave me some peace of mind. <laughs> so I tried not to time it too much, but the Time Shifter app, I didn't try not to time the medication too much. The Time Shifter app though, gave you windows of time to sleep windows of time to drink coffee, windows of time to look out the window and have some light. So I tried to base my whole flying schedule around that. And it seemed to work. My jet lag was not too bad. 
So I kind of slept off and on. I ate two meals that we were served there. I don't think I had anything else in between. I drank my water as frequently as possible. I bring my life straw bottle, which has a filter in it. I fill that up at the airports before I get on the plane. And I had filled up a secondary bottle to refill that life straw as needed. Airplanes, of course, will give you water, but I try to reduce the plastic as much as possible. And I always feel a little nervous about the water source. So I like to bring my own on. I also use some hydration packs. Two brands. One is, I think it's called Kinderlight or Kinderlight. Delicious. It's kind of like a less sugary Gatorade. And I also use Noon, N-U-U-N. I love their products. They have immunity packets. They had some for rest. They have sport. They have a whole line. And they're in a really nice compact bottle with tablets. So I brought both on my flights and really enjoyed that. The airlines, of course, some of them have the in-flight entertainment. Some of them you need to download the apps ahead of time. So I did both. I downloaded the Philippines MyPal app, which I don't think worked very well. I even tried to use the Wi-Fi. didn't work that well. So for a long flight, be prepared. I downloaded books. I downloaded movies. One thing that's cool is Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO, they allow you to store the streaming TV shows and movies on your device. So if you're flying or traveling without internet connection, game changer. So I use that in Costa Rica. I use that in Singapore. I still might even use it on my upcoming road trip. It's great. So I loaded that up. I didn't end up doing any reading. I also downloaded some audiobooks, never listened to them. Just watched little bits of some TV shows and movies. And I also got this cool connector that I used a few times on the flights that had the built-in entertainment because the Wi-Fi wasn't working super well. I'm glad I didn't depend on it. Like I think on domestic flights, it works pretty well. I've used it where various airlines use their Wi-Fi, but you don't have to pay for it. And it just like streams to your device and you can watch movies there. That was unreliable on these international trips. So I use the in-flight entertainment, but one cool thing I bought ahead of time is a little connector that turns, this is so geeky, (laughs) but awesome. It turns the little headphone adapter into a Bluetooth adapter that works with my Bluetooth headphones, which have noise cancellation. Game changer. I have the Apple AirPods Max. I use them for all my podcasting. And on an airplane, the sound was incredible with noise cancellation and using that little Bluetooth device, I can watch anything wirelessly. And that wasn't that expensive. There's a few different models. I will link to that if you're curious. These are some of my geeky travel recommendations. I also brought this blow-up pillow, which I've used before. It's basically allows you to sleep using the tray table. Like you can put your arms through it and your head through it. I'm kind of mixed on that. In the past, it's been really helpful for long flights, but I only use it a few times on these six flights that I went to between Costa Rica, Manila, Singapore, Fiji. It's like a peace of mind thing. The issue is that because of COVID, you're supposed to blow it up on the airplane, but blowing something up on an airplane during COVID made me uncomfortable. So I did it. 
because I wanted to sleep, but it felt a little risky and it's kind of awkward and it looks weird. So I will link to that as well if you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's worth considering. I'm glad I have it. I also brought a footrest. This was a game changer for me when I flew to Greece several years ago. And I've heard a lot of people recommending them. They're these like things that you can hang over your tray table. They're like foot hammocks, I guess. So your feet are off the ground up in the air and they're really nice for reducing some back pain, leg pain. I wore compression socks, by the way, nice for reducing any inflammation in your legs. The footrest though, it really depends on where your seat is, how much leg room you have, how the tray table's configured. So across the six flights, there were maybe a couple that it worked well for me and others I just didn't bother. Some of my flights, I was in the bulkhead row, so I didn't have a tray table in front of me and it didn't work well with the pullout tray table. So there's tons of travel gadgets And a big lesson I learned was that some of these things are just not worth the space they take up in your bags, especially if you're doing carry-on only, and not worth the extra weight that they impose. So now I've reached Singapore, and based on all of my jet lag planning, I felt pretty good. I think my flight landed around 9.30. I did have to go through immigration and customs there. I don't remember that taking very long. One of them, I always get customs and immigrations confused, but I think it was customs where you present your passport and you talk to an officer about what your plans are. They stamp your passport with the visa. In Singapore, my dad said it took him quite some time to get through, but for me, I would guess like 10 or 15 minutes. It wasn't so bad. Then I had to go through immigration. And this is something I don't remember from past international trips, but they're just like little checkpoints where you put your bags through this tiny scanner. So it's kind of like a mini version of TSA. And you do that before you exit the airport. So I arrive at this airport and it's huge. And I'm looking around thinking, I've heard so much about this Singapore airport. I did skip over my transfer in Manila, by the way, but just to share that real quick, I really would love to visit the Philippines. I had never felt that compelled to go there. But as I was doing this transfer before going to Singapore, I thought, wow, I wish I had had more time. I actually work with a team of people in the Philippines through one of my clients. And I just thought like, I want to know where they live and what life is like there. But I was in the airport for less than two hours. Not only was my flight delayed, but just going through this customs and immigration and health checkpoint process in Manila, I basically got off one plane, went through that for probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then got onto the other plane almost immediately. It was so quick. I barely had time to think. So then I took another flight, landed in Singapore. And in the story, that's where I'm at. So I get to this airport and unbeknownst to me, I walked right past the famous part of it that I ended up seeing later. I think it's called Shangi Airport, C-H-A-N-G-I, is known for having the tallest indoor waterfall, I believe, in the world. I will share photos. You can look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. It's really cool, but I didn't see it when I arrived. Even though I walked right past it, it was like kind of hidden from the view that I had. And 
I had to go past that and find transportation to meet my dad at the hotel in downtown Singapore. Before I did that, I remember feeling a little unprepared because I didn't even know how I was going to pay to get to downtown. I was going to take the subway. And it was like this moment of thinking, I wish I had done a little bit more preparation, but I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And it's interesting when you get somewhere brand new, literally a foreign country, and suddenly it hits you. I'm not at home anymore. (laughs) I was grateful that the airport had free Wi-Fi because I did not sign up for international data. Although, if you're curious, you can get that for about $10 a day. Pretty affordable, but wasn't worth it for me since I didn't plan to do a lot of texting or phone calls. So I used the airport's Wi-Fi signal to get directions to the train station, the subway station, and then get to the hotel. But I remember standing there thinking, how do I pay for this? (laughs) I went to an ATM which might not have been the wisest thing in hindsight. They charged me like $5 just to use it. But my dad recommended I have some cash. Unlike in Costa Rica, it felt like in Singapore, most people, if they wanted to be paid in cash, either preferred or required Singapore currency. I think that their currency is just called Singapore dollars, but I could be wrong. So I got some of that from the ATM, used it throughout the three and a half days I was there. It was pretty helpful. But I wish that I had prepared a little bit more and figured out a better deal for my money. So then I made my way to the MRT, as it's called, which I had to like take a separate train from my terminal to a different terminal, get on this. And it was about a 40-minute ride to the city. It was really neat for a number of reasons. A, you can use Apple Pay or probably other various versions of wireless payments. You can also just use your credit card if it has the ability to tap. If that has a chip in it, you can just tap on the entrance and it lets you right through. So you don't have to get a special ticket. You don't have to go to a machine or a booth. You just go right through. I used a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees. So it was just converted from Singapore to USD and super affordable. I think it was like a little over a dollar to go 40 minutes into the city. I was amazed. And it was very simple. My Google Maps through the Wi-Fi guided me. And then on the MRT train, it was really neat because Singapore is known for respect for the people that live there, the citizens, to have a lot of courtesy for one another a lot of cleanliness. And getting onto that subway, it felt like so orderly, unlike a lot of US cities that feel a bit chaotic. It was just peaceful. Everyone just is mindful of each other. Like all the seats were taken. Everyone's sitting next to each other very quietly. There's even signs encouraging you not to talk. I think those might be up for COVID reasons. They require masks. And they have all these signs about like how to stop the spread of COVID. So I instantly felt so relaxed with that. And so it was quiet in there. At a certain point, we came up above underground, like we were outside and I could see the city for the first time. And I noticed how 
Singapore has so much nature. I later learned that it's referred to as a city within a garden. And my first impression was just all this natural landscaping. There were plants on buildings, on top of buildings, on the side of buildings, next to them on the street, just all over. And passing through the city like that, there were palm trees and the sky was beautiful. And it was just like really neat. There's a ton of buildings there. It's dense, but it never felt that crowded to me. I appreciated that. It also felt really big, even though it's just like a relatively small island. And it's also known for being a melting pot. Plus, most people, if not everybody there speaks English. English, I believe, is the main language in Singapore, followed by different forms of Chinese. So you would see English words written everywhere first, and then underneath it, I think Chinese might be the language written. So it was very easy to communicate, read signs. There's no translation needed. It was just the currency stuff. I noticed U.S. dollars weren't really common there. Most places took credit cards, so that was easy, but I appreciated having cash with me. So I got to the train station, had to walk a couple blocks to the hotel. I stayed at the Carlton Hotel downtown, which is right across from a very famous hotel called Raffles. Met my dad, took a shower, and got changed out of my clothes that I'd been wearing for like however many hours. I don't know. I was flying for like 20 plus hours, all things considered. And then we decided to go get lunch. At that time, it was probably around 12 or 1 p.m. And I looked up on Happy Cow, where some of the local vegan options were. It was overwhelming how much plant-based food was there in a great way. But in that moment, I'm like brand new to the city. I don't know where anything is. Feeling disoriented, super hungry. And we just picked a place in this mall. First of all, malls are everywhere countless. In the vicinity of our hotel, I would say there was a mall on every block. It blew my mind. And different types of malls, like traditional malls with tons of different shopping options and mostly places you would find in the United States, a lot of luxury brands. And then malls that were based around food, kind of like huge food courts. So we went to this one a few blocks away that had so many vegan places. I walked in there. And first of all, I was like, I feel so out of my element in the best way possible. I love Asian cuisine. So I walked in and it was just Asian restaurant after Asian restaurant, but they were different types. So there was Chinese, Japanese, Thai, and then all different little variations of that, Korean as well. And then there were even some Americanized restaurants. There was like a pasta restaurant and there were a few coffee shops. There was a vegetarian grocery store in there. And this is not like marketed as being a vegetarian mall, but the options in there were just mind-blowing. Even the bakery had like vegan options marked on it. And my dad and I were two of the only white people in there. It was predominantly Asian people. And 
I would see throughout my entire time in Singapore, this was true, like very Asian. When I would see other white people or non-Asian people, it was rare that they were American. I would hear people speaking in British accents and Australian accents. I would hear people speaking different languages that I didn't recognize. So I did not come across that many Americans there, which I loved. I felt like I could immerse myself in the culture more that way. And my dad and I walked all around this mall. It was several stories high. I don't even know if we went to the final floor. We went up at least three or four flights and then just made our decision based on some happy cow reviews. We picked this one place. And what's cool about this mall is they're sit-down restaurants, but they're all like one after another and condensed. And so we walk up and there are no tables available at first, but the turnaround was so quick. Someone left within a few minutes. You ordered at this counter and they gave you a buzzer. This was very common in Singapore, the buzzer system that you hold on to. Much like in the States, you usually get those when you arrive at a busy restaurant and you're waiting for a table, right? But here, you would get that to wait for your food. And the prices were mind-blowing to me. My first impression, I was just like, I can't believe how inexpensive the food is here, at least at that particular place. But that was very common throughout the city if you didn't go to a super touristy or high-end restaurant. And my food probably cost like $6. I got a stir fry and some jasmine green tea and that was all $6. My dad's meal is like $4 for, I forget what he got, but something that in the States would have easily cost $10. I deeply appreciated that. Then we walked back to the hotel. I went swimming in the pool, which is really nice. The weather in Singapore in July was pleasant, quite humid. Most days I felt Like I was sweating a ton. We did a lot of walking around. So I was very grateful for the pool. Pool water was not super warm, but it was very refreshing. And then my dad and I went to dinner with some people that he was working with out there. He was out on a work trip. And this restaurant, I will find the name of it. It's called Coriander Leaf. It was right across the street from the Carlton Hotel at another mall. I think you consider it a mall. It's like an outdoor shopping and food center called Chimes, C-H-J-M-E-S. And Coriander felt a little on the high-end side, still pretty affordable. And they had so many foods marked on their menu based on dietary preferences, including vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free at least. So I had a variety of different foods like fresh fruits and some tofu and rice, and they had all different desserts. It was really lovely and a great atmosphere, wonderful service there. The next day started off with my dad and I going to the breakfast buffet at the hotel. Also extremely impressive. Not a ton of vegan and gluten-free options, but so many vegan items there. I think he said it cost about $21 Singapore, which let's see if I saved my currency app. I downloaded this really great app to translate currency. Oh, I did. Okay. It's called Currency Converter. Awesome. I use it everywhere I went on this trip. So yeah, it's called the Singapore Dollars SGD. 
and 21 Singapore is 15 US. So for an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet, I think that's what he said. Maybe I'm getting it backwards. It could have been 35 Singapore and 25 US. Anyways, for the amount of food selection they had there, it was great. I haven't been to a breakfast buffet in so long. But imagine more of a Vegas buffet than like your typical continental breakfast at a hotel. And everything was like clean. There were hand sanitizers everywhere, mask requirements when you're getting your food, service people there cleaning and answering questions. And everything was labeled, including the vegan items. They had this incredible selection of pastries, which I did not bother looking at because I'm gluten-free. I was a little sad about that, but toast and jams, all these cereals, a whole fruit display. They had oatmeal. They had congee, which I think is usually rice-based, but I found out it was not vegetarian. Then they had all this savory food, which I ended up eating some, like mixed vegetables, noodles. They had even vegan, like a steamed bun that said vegan. And I just thought, this is amazing. I tried it even though it wasn't gluten-free. I couldn't resist. I think it had like red bean paste in it. Ugh. There are moments I really wish I didn't need to avoid gluten. I also was super into their hash browns. I ate that every morning for breakfast. I'm not usually a hash brown eater, but they were amazing. And just like all these interesting things you could get. If you weren't vegan, it would have been pure heaven. They even had like brie cheese. I mean, it was Basically, like any time of day, you could enjoy that food, but it was served during breakfast. And then they also had really cool coffee machines. One tip, especially if you have food preferences and sensitivities like me, is to get some milk from a different store and bring it with you to the hotel store in the fridge there. I love lattes. So what I would do is I would make an espresso at the buffet And I use my own milk that I bought at 7-Eleven. I happened to go to 7-Eleven the day before when I was in that food court style mall. And they had pea milk, which is one of my favorite milks, like (laughs) P-E-A. They had other types of milk, of course, too. But they had these tiny little single serving bottles in the refrigerator that happened to be on sale. I think it was $3.50 for two. Singapore, which was $2.50 US. So $1.25 for a single serving. I was thrilled. I brought that with me to breakfast every morning and made my own lattes at the table. They even had like a milk steamer on the machine. So if you're really into coffee like me, it was awesome. They also had coffee all around the city. Most places had non-dairy. A lot of places used oat milk like Oatly, That was really impressive too. I'll get to a little bit more on that in a moment. Then my dad, actually, perfect timing. Shortly after that breakfast buffet, we took a subway ride to a different part of town. I forget what it was called, but I found it on Happy Cow. And it was a fully vegan section of food stalls and a vegan cafe that served the local style of coffee my dad got really into called copy or copy. I don't know. I wish I remembered the exact pronunciation. It's spelled K-O-P-I. And it's a style of coffee drinks made with condensed milk. I really wanted to try it. 
and happened to look up on Happy Cow that this one place had vegan copy as well as boba you could add to it. It was incredible. And Makan, M-A-K-A-N. That's probably not the right way you pronounce it, but that's on Happy Cow. And right next to the coffee shop was a row of, I think, four different food stalls. And it was all like, they shared a kitchen, but they were separate. Like you'd pay separately for them. I'm starting to drool thinking about this. It was so hard to decide which one to get. But I decided the one that looked the most unique to me was, I believe, pronounced a mala pot. What was neat about this, I've never experienced this. I imagine they have this in the States too. But you open up this refrigerator door and fill up a stainless steel bowl with all the vegetables that you want to go into this hot pot. And then you hand it over to them. They weigh it. They price it based on the weight and then they stir fry it up in their sauce. Oh my gosh. That might have been my favorite meal in this moment. I think it is because it was like nothing I've tried, nothing I've done before. The fridge had all these different types of vegetables, all different sprouts, root vegetables, mushrooms, various types of noodles, seaweed tofu in all these different forms, it blew my mind. So I mixed a bunch of random things together. And I think it cost 16 Singapore. That was one of the most expensive meals I bought myself. So that was 11 or $12 US. My dad was like, wow, big spender. <laughs> but it was so big, the portion size, because I put so many vegetables in it that I ended up having leftovers and I ate them later that day. And it was just like a very unique flavor. I don't know if it came from one of the ingredients I put in or the sauce I used, but it just was nothing like I'd had before. They also use the buzzer system there. So I ordered. It took a while, which was great because everything was like perfectly cooked. Oh, I was in pure bliss. And I remember in that moment looking around, we were the only white people there. And I just felt like this is awesome. Like I'm in a whole new country and I'm just surrounded by different types of people. And I felt a deep love for that. I love something that's different and culturally like just being, it's hard to describe that feeling for me, but it's that immersive sense of being part of something that I'm not actually part of, if that makes sense. I had never been to Asia, so I felt this deep sense of excitement about that. Then we went and we got coffee, added the boba to it. That was delicious. We walked back from there to the hotel. It took us about 90 minutes. We walked along the river, just took in the sights. I went swimming again. And then my dad and I had one of the best times in our experience. This is a Saturday, by the way. I arrived on a Friday. So on that Saturday night, he took me to a place he had read about. It was in kind of the marina area of Singapore at this bar that had these extraordinary cocktails. It was on the rooftop of, I want to say City Hall, but I don't think that was right. I will link to this for you if you're curious and planning a trip to Singapore or just want to like live vicariously through this. 
but it was outside overlooking the Marina Bay Sands, which is this famous hotel on the water. And that was the first time I got a really good look at that hotel that I've seen in movies and TV shows and social media. It was just like another one of those moments when you see a famous landmark. Very, very cool. And we had incredible drinks. The menu there was deeply impressive. Also expensive. I ended up getting a drink that was 32 Singapore. I've heard that they're known for expensive alcohol because of maybe importing or something or their laws. So that was a $23 drink. (laughs) I normally never spend that much on alcohol, but it was incredible. Like they have these amazing descriptions. They really put intention about it. Like the drink was a nice size, like the present, everything, everything about it was amazing. Plus like this incredible view. So, oh, it was City Hall. That's not the name of the place, but that was the area that we were in. Okay. I didn't make that up. Here's the name. Smoke and Mirrors is the name of this place. And we just sat there looking at the view. It was sunset. There happened to be fireworks that night in the distance And the weather was perfect. We had an amazing time. So for that whole experience, easily worth $23 US. Then we made our way back to the hotel. I got lots of sleep, woke up the next day. And that was one of our most adventurous day. After the breakfast buffet, we walked through the raffles mall for the second time, actually. We went through it a little bit the first day, but the second day we went through there, stopped at some shops, and then took a bus over to the Marina Bay Sands area, where there's also a well-known place called Gardens by the Bay. I found a great deal for that on a local deal site. Actually, it might not be local to Singapore, but I wasn't familiar with it. It's called Kluk, K-L-O-O-K. And I think I got like 10 or $15 off, bought some passes that included access to the Marina Bay Sands observation deck at the very top of that hotel and access to gardens by the bay. Great deal. Recommend looking into that site. Also happened to get some extra bonus points through my credit card. Another tip for you in terms of saving money or being savvy on trips is Credit cards come with all sorts of travel benefits, and I have multiple credit cards, so I would check and see which card offered which deal, and that worked out very nicely for me. Because Gardens by the Bay and the Marina Bay Sands are a little pricey to do, people would say that, like, oh, it's pricey, but worth it. I think it came out with the deal that I got with uh, for through that site to be about $30 to visit both per person. So not too bad, but based on how inexpensive Singapore can be, it felt a little pricey. So we went to this wonderful experience. On the way there, though, we went to a different mall, forgot about this, to go to another vegan restaurant I found on Happy Cow. This was a Korean restaurant that was on the fancier side. This place is called Am I Addicted? And interestingly enough, it's a combination between a Korean restaurant and a pottery experience. Like you go and make your own pottery there. <laughs> and then right next door is a kind of high-end 
vegetarian Korean restaurant. It was very good. It's one of the highest rated vegan places in the city. I got truffle risotto. That was lovely. My dad, though, I envied him because he got this really cool kimchi grilled cheese sandwich. They just didn't have gluten-free bread. So they didn't have a ton of gluten-free options there, actually. It was a little tricky. That's when we took the bus, went to the gardens by the bay. It was lovely. It's another place I've seen tons of photos and videos of. Insane because there's just plants everywhere, plants from all over the world. They have these indoor areas you can go. One of them was like all based around plants that grow in the mist. And it tells you all about like the areas in the world where these plants grow. And you're going up on these different levels looking above water. And it was spectacular. And then another one, I don't know what the theme of it was, but just had all these cool plants and special exhibits. And again, like you would go visit different parts of the world and their plants, kind of like a botanical garden, basically of what this was. But what was interesting about Gardens by the Bay is that it almost felt like I was at Disney in a good way. And they also seemed to have some sort of partnership with Disney because they had like Disney characters kind of hidden in some of the garden displays like Winnie the Pooh was there and there was one about Alice in Wonderland not necessarily a Disney story either of them but well known for being part of Disney so yeah there must be some sort of collaboration walking through there I kept thinking this reminds me of being at Disney like Animal Kingdom or something like that not quite Epcot but just really nice not nearly as crowded or as intense at Disney but similar feeling. After we did that, we walked across the park and right next to it is Marina Bay Sands. So you go get in another line and it takes you up to the top. Kind of reminds me of going to like the Eiffel Tower or one of the tall buildings in New York City. So you have to wait for the elevators. They take you up to the 56th floor and you can overlook almost the entire city, but as well as like, feels like you can see so far out because you're so high. And it was super crowded there. There are people from all over the world. It was pretty nice. I'm glad I did it, but it felt on the touristy side. Both of the places did. Even though Gardens by the Bay feels like something locals probably enjoy a lot, both just felt a bit commercialized. In hindsight, I guess the Marina Bay Sands was not like as special or something that I thought. I've just seen it and imagined myself going up there so many times. I think if you stayed at the hotel, it's really cool because they're also known for having this infinity pool. If you look it up, there's so many photos and videos of people swimming around in that. I'm sure that also feels quite touristy, but you can see it if you like looked over the observation deck like and cranked your neck. You could see people in the infinity pool. And I wish I had been over there. They also have restaurants up there or a bar at least. And they looked fine, but they're extremely pricey. So I have mixed feelings about that. But overall, it was like a little check off the list. <laughs> but what was actually a little bit cooler than that is at the bottom of the Marina Bay Sands, they have a huge mall. This was the most impressive mall that I went to. And also one of the biggest malls I feel like I've been to in my life because it went on and on. It was multiple stories. Every luxury brand seemed to be in there. 
very expensive. They had a casino in there, which I believe is one of two casinos in the country. And one of the coolest Apple stores I've ever been to. I'm a huge Apple fan and I had to go in. Literally, you enter underground and it's in the water. So there's like a bubble with all glass. And the only way to get in is going underground through the mall. And I just wanted to be in there. So we walked around in there for a bit. Then we went to dinner at a chain restaurant that my friend had recommended. You can find it in Los Angeles, I found out, in Vegas, maybe some other parts of the U.S. It's called Din Tai Fung, I believe. My friend was raving about it, and they had some vegan options on their vegetarian menu, including vegan dumplings, also lots of reviews on Happy Cow, and fried rice. The other cool thing about it was... (laughs) They delivered the steamed dumplings by a robot. So this little guy, as I like to refer to him, came over on his own and just like stands, quote, (laughs) or like positions itself right next to your table. And then a waiter comes over and takes the food out from the robot. My dad was like, what's the point of the robot? I don't know if it was just a fun little gimmick or actually helpful for efficiency purposes but I really enjoyed that robot. The restaurant was nice. My dad really liked it, fairly affordable. Apparently in the US, it's more expensive, but it came out to be, for those that are curious about prices, it was like 55 Singapore, which is $40 US. My dad got a beer. We got a bunch of different foods, so not too bad. I was just fascinated by how that was, quote, expensive compared to the food stalls. And then the next day was Sunday. That was our last full day there together. We went to this other garden, which was nice. I forget what it was called there, but it was this outdoor free park you can walk through. I feel like I don't think it qualified for a national park. I think they have a national park there, but it was a super impressive park that reminded me of the Huntington Gardens in Los Angeles, if you've ever been there. More borderline of a botanical garden. In fact, it might have even been a botanical garden officially. For some reason, my photos are not coming up of all of it, but this happened to me the other day that I was doing the video. I took so many photos that it's like my computer can't even keep track. But we walked through there and then we went to that other botanic garden, the free one, the same day that we went to Gardens by the Bay, which is so interesting. So I guess that was Sunday. So actually the uh, last day that we were there was a Monday and it was not a full day because my flight left at 9 p.m. that night. What we did do is go to this area near the hotel after we checked out called Orchard Road, and it's known for its shopping. And I've talked a lot about malls and shopping. This is lined with malls. And it's interesting because the malls don't just serve for consumerism, but they're also great for air conditioning. So my dad and I would take a break from the heat, which at times felt really intense, And we would go into these malls just to cool off and look around. We would go and get coffee at some places. My dad also loves coffee. I went and got souvenirs, mostly food form. My sister wanted lots of local 
Singaporean things or international things. So I got her various fun items. There was a really cool store I went to called Don Don Donkey, which is a Japanese discount store. I've never been into a Daiso before in the US. I've always wanted to go into them. They're known for being these discount stores. I think they're Japanese, but Don Don Donkey was like a different experience. I don't even know how to describe it. It felt chaotic in the best way possible. First of all, most things were not written in English. So all I'm seeing is another language that I don't read. And there's stuff everywhere. So you could go up closer to each product and like in very small letters would be the English translation. And I just felt immensely overwhelmed. But I could have spent an hour in there easily. I just went through real quick and picked out some things that looked fun and brought them back for my sister to have. We also, in one of the malls, found a vegan ice cream shop that was one of the best vegan ice cream shops I've ever been to. It's called Kind Cones, Cones with a K. And I had durian-flavored ice cream. I think durian is pretty popular in Singapore. There was one outdoor booth, or a few actually, I saw throughout the city that I couldn't tell if they were durian or jackfruit. But I kept thinking about durian and I was thrilled to see it in a vegan ice cream shop. It was coconut-based, absolutely lovely. My dad got an even better, in my opinion, flavor. I believe it was called pandan. I could be botching the name, but I think the person working there said that it was a leaf. So don't quote me on this. Pandan Gula Malacca is the full name. It had the smoothest texture, the most interesting, subtle flavor. We were blown away. Also, the price is incredible for that. I think it was like 4 or $5 for these super gourmet flavored ice creams that in the U.S. at a store like that would probably, at least in Los Angeles, would cost like $8. We loved it. They even had gluten-free cones. They had keto vegan toppings and different desserts. It was a very impressive place. And then we left after doing all of the shopping and eating and coffees and all that stuff. We headed over to the airport and I finally got to see that waterfall, which was really nice. Actually, the area in the Shangi airport has a separate section called the Jewel and it's another mall with a huge waterfall in the middle. And then around the waterfall is more landscaping, more gardens, just lovely. It kind of reminded me of some of the areas at Gardens by the Bay. So I thought to myself, maybe I didn't need to pay extra to go to Gardens by the Bay. But I'm glad I did both because I got to experience the differences. And outside of the waterfall were multiple levels of shops and restaurants and activities. They have like bridges you can pay to walk across and rides and go down slides and jump in these nets and do all those things. We opted not to. I think it would have been fun, but it didn't feel worth it. And they were everything you had to pay extra for. I think even to like walk across the bridge was 
at least $10 Singapore, which is like $7. I feel like one of them was 17 Singapore. So it's $12 to like go do something for 15 minutes. Did not feel worth it to me. But they were actually on that discount site, Kluke, however you pronounce it, you could get a better price for it. But we just walked around. We thought about going to a vegan restaurant there that looked really nice. I was a little sad. We chose not to. I think we were just feeling a little rushed for time. There's this beautiful restaurant called Violet Oon. And they had this incredible plant-based menu. Also on the more pricey side, their main courses were anywhere from 19 to 25 Singapore. So that'd be like 14 to $20 US. They just looked so good. And it was like walking into a beautiful tea shop or something. But it ended up taking me quite a long time to check in for my flight through Fiji Airways. I think I was in line for at least 30 minutes just to check in without even checking a bag. Then we were a little nervous about security, but that ended up being one of the more odd experiences and very different. So once we were ready to enter the area to get to our gates, we walked through, I guess it was customs, nothing I've ever seen before. They had like these automated machines that you stood on, you pulled down your mask, they took your picture and then it cleared you there. I don't think there was a person. I don't even remember if a person checked my passport. Maybe they did. It was very confusing, but cool and very efficient. So then we went through that and expected to go into TSA next, but it was nowhere to be found. And suddenly we're in the area where you walk to your gate. And I turned to my dad and I'm like, where's TSA? I don't know. If, is it called TSA in other countries? Where's security? You know, where do they check your bags? And then I wondered, did the machines that we walk through check our bags somehow and scan them? It just didn't make sense. So we walked to my gate and see that there were security machines at the gate. Each individual gate had its own security checkpoint. And I was so confused. We had some extra time before going through that. My dad and I flew separate flights. So we were going to go get some Indian food at another place I found through Happy Cow. But sadly, it was closed. So we didn't go to Violet Oon. And the other vegan option in our terminal was closed. And that was it. I don't know if there was another place. Maybe there would have been, but it wasn't gluten-free or something. So that was a bit of a bummer. I ended up going to the 7-Eleven, which was fun because they had some unique snacks and stuff in there. And I got these Papadom chips that were chili crab flavored, but still vegan. And chili crab is one of the famous dishes in Singapore. And That was a little thing to tide me over before I got my meal on the flight. Now, this is the part that I referred to earlier. I was so grateful for my dad being there with me when I got to the gate because when I saw the security setup, I panicked, mainly because the sign said that you had to have all of your liquid bottles out separate. And my toiletries were all organized in a specific way, but in different bags. 
like within my carry-on bag. And I turned to my dad and I was like, oh my gosh, do I have to take every bottle of liquid out and put it on one place? And if so, do I then have to like repack it? I was so confused and afraid. It was, this is where I felt what I believe to be a trait of ASD. I went into this, like, I don't even know how to put into words. Like anxiety comes on so strong in those moments, but also like my brain, it just operates differently. I could tell my dad wasn't nervous about this. Everybody else around me at the gate seemed completely relaxed. And I wondered, have they just been through this before? Is this why they're so relaxed? Or do other people just think very differently than me? And I believe that's what it is. Because my brain like starts to kind of spiral. It overthinks. It worries about these details. I have deep fear of like misunderstanding things. I have fear of being unprepared. I have fear of like all these different scenarios. And it's almost too much to bear at times. And if my dad hadn't been with me, I feel like I would have been a complete mess. But luckily, he kind of talked me through it. I talked to one of the agents and asked, and they said, oh, you don't actually need to take things out. The machine just will scan it. And if there's an issue, take things out then. But the sign said something differently. So my brain was like, people that have are uh, on the autism spectrum tend to take things very literally. And so for me, I thought that literally meant I had to take all my liquids out. And had I not asked that person, I probably would have done that in anticipation and then been really annoyed when I got there and nobody else had their liquids out. And I think that's where the trouble is for me. But it was no big deal. Turns out I just put my bag through. They didn't flag anything. Got on the flight. And I have to say that Fiji Airways ended up being a more pleasant experience than the Philippine Airlines. Just overall, the staff seemed friendlier, more laid back. Nobody weighed my bag this time. My seats were super nice. The airplane was very modern. I had the bulkhead seats, which was nice, except I really like having all my stuff in front of me. And the big downside to bulkhead seats is that you have to store your items above your seat during takeoff and landing. And again, for my special needs, that was really frustrating because I have a whole system. I get all my stuff out, organized. I want to access things. But luckily, it was a long flight. So it wasn't a huge deal because I got to have my items with me most of the time. So then I flew from 10 hours from Singapore to Fiji, landed in Fiji, felt like a little disoriented because there was a time zone difference plus... I was flying overnight, got to Fiji in the morning, had a whole 10 hour and a half hour layover. And I didn't know if I would actually be able to enter Fiji. My research told me ahead of time that Fiji had less restrictions. But when I got to the airport, I found out they do have restrictions and you have to go through testing and all of this stuff. It was incredibly confusing. Again, my brain started to panic, but I just decided that I was going to treat Fiji very spontaneously as much as I would have loved to plan it. One thing I knew is that there was an airport across the street called the Gateway Hotel that was known for having 
day rates so you didn't have to stay overnight to use that hotel. So after I went through customs, which took probably the longest of my entire trip was in Fiji, waiting in line. I didn't clock it, (laughs) but I would estimate it was like 30 to 45 minutes. They did have free Wi-Fi at the airport. So I used that and tried to do a little research. But ultimately, I ended up just going across the street to this hotel, which was simultaneously nice and a little like felt like a cheap hotel. It was an interesting combination there, but it felt really safe. I walked up to the front desk with no reservation. That felt very uncomfortable for me. I asked them about their day rates and I got a room for $40 US for six hours. For me, that felt like great. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you added up all the hours, I think it was like maybe $150 to stay the night there, but I can't remember if that was in Fiji. That might have been in Fijian dollars, which that is generally double US or a little bit more, actually. So if it was $100, it would be 47 US. So I got my room, I went in, and it was just like a really basic hotel room with a safe. Part of the reason I wanted that is so that I had the option to take a shower, I could use a clean bathroom and sink, could change my clothes, and also had access to a safe to put my items in. At the Fiji airport in Nandi, where I landed, they actually can store your luggage for about $5. But I had my laptop, I had my camera, all this stuff with me. And there's no guarantee that's going to be safe. So instead of spending $10 to check my two bags at the airport, I decided to spend $40 to have a room that was all mine. They had air conditioning and I could have taken a nap. There was a pool there and there was a really nice cafe. And the cafe was super affordable. I got an amazing stir fry dish for $13 US and that included a coffee. So I think the stir fry was like $9 and a coffee was $4. <laughs> and they had soy milk and it was a lovely iced coffee and a huge serving of delicious stir fry. And I ate that at their outdoor restaurant by the pool. And the weather was amazing, just tropical, perfect weather. And then I really wanted to go to the beach. There were some tours that you could take from the airport that seemed great. And they would take you to the well-known temple in the area. There was an area there called the Garden of the Sleeping Giant that sounded cool. They would take you to, I think, an outdoor marketplace. That sounded like a great affordable option, but I decided not to do it because it was a little too chaotic when I got to the airport to try to make up my mind. There were numerous tours you could take. I felt like I could have prepared for that, but having not made up my mind about what I was going to do, my spontaneous decision was to get a taxi to the closest and best beach. So I asked the front desk and they gave me two options. There was one beach that was like 15 to 30 minutes away, but they said it was a black sand beach. And I was like, okay, that's okay with me. But then the second option was to take an hour taxi to a white sand beach. And the way they talked about this beach just felt like this was the place to go. (laughs) So I asked how much it was. They said it was 200 Fiji round trip. So that came out to 
$95 US to get a private taxi for however long I want to go. So not only would this taxi driver drive me an hour away, but they would wait for me however long I want to stay at the beach and then drive me back. And I thought for $95 and three or four hours with this person and a spontaneous decision, fine. So I did that. He did need Fiji dollars to be paid in Fiji dollars, which I did not do a currency exchange. So he actually drove me to an ATM. I got cash out and then drove me to this amazing private beach. I was the only one aside from an interesting experience with locals who were trying to sell me on massages, coconuts, horse rides, there was a little bit of pressure. Like clearly their line of work is about convincing tourists to sign up for their services. That was an out of all of my travels, interesting because I never experienced pressure like that anywhere else on this trip. But it was fine. I just had to be very confident and politely say no. And the driver parked and sat and waited And he said, go take as much time as you want. And I just walked along the ocean by myself because all my belongings were locked up safe at the hotel. I just had my wallet and my phone and my little camera. And uh, that was out of all the things I did, one of the most peaceful and rejuvenating. The sand was like perfectly soft. It was a beautiful, clear day, warm, not too hot though. I was really glad I wore sunscreen and brought a sun hat because I definitely got some sun just from walking on that beach for an hour at like three o'clock, I think it was. And the water was just lovely. And uh, I mean, that was one of those moments I was trying to preserve in my brain and savor so I could transport myself to that memory at any point. And so I just try to be really intentional about the photos and little video clips I took so that I could go back to that experience. And I haven't posted any of this stuff yet on social, but if I do, I hope that you check it out because I hope it gives you the feeling that I had in that moment. And I just walked down the beach and I came across this area of low tide and there was this interesting formation that went out about 50 feet towards the ocean, but it was low little tide pools. And there were little baby octopus in there and fish and little crabs. And I was walking through it barefoot and thinking to myself, is some like random sea creature going to sting me, bite me, hurt me? But I saw other people doing it with some of the locals. And I thought, okay, looks all right. And I felt so magical because I'm just like stepping through carefully these little patches of sea life. It was nuts. And that was towards the end of my walk. And I walked back, there's people riding horses nearby, but again, not that many people, probably within sight, 20, 30 people max on this huge stretch of beach. And a few people out in the water swimming, some people on like a jet ski or little boats. But it was just, felt so open and quiet. And I mean, what an incredible way to 
begin the end of this trip that I was on and walked back. And the cab driver was so nice. He had this really heavy accent. He was very local, but spoke great English. I assume that English is a main language in Fiji, but I didn't learn too much about it. He did tell me all these stories about the area and like he was pointing out all the different plants that grew there and telling me about how his dad was a sugarcane farmer and he told me a little bit about himself. He was an older man, maybe like in his 60s or 70s and just so lovely and caring. We drove by all of these food stands where local people would sell things they grew in their garden or uh, various living creatures they harvested, <laughs> whatever the, I don't know what the term is, like prawns, that's what it was, that they caught at the river. And he's telling me about like their local crabbing that they do. And they had like little barbecues and all this different food, like the food stands were just constant on this drive. And he was talking about watermelon in such a compelling way that I asked him to keep an eye out for any place that would have sliced watermelon. And we found one. He pulled over the side of the road and got out. And I got two big slices of fresh watermelon for, I think, a dollar US, maybe it was $2 Fiji. And the two of us ate it. I bought a slice for myself and one for my driver. And he didn't eat it while he was driving, of course. And I just sat in the back eating my watermelon. And he was like, you can spit the seeds out the window. That's the locals do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I'm just like throwing the seeds out the window. And that was another one of my favorite experiences was just like that freedom. I had no plans. I was taken care of by this wonderful driver. By the way, the driver was hired by the hotel. Like they set him up for me. I felt like in full trust of him. I never felt unsafe. I was instructed where to go by the hotel. And that was a really good experience. And then my sister was like, you ate fruit from the side of the road in some foreign country? And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about whether that would have a negative impact on me. But I felt fine. And it was worth it. It was just because he was telling me about the watermelon. I was just like, I got to experience some fruit in Fiji. and. That was just so lovely. And he drove me back to the hotel. I think I had like an hour or so before I needed to leave for the airport and went back and rinsed off and changed and then sat at the hotel outdoor area. And they had a guy singing live music there. And it was just like so nice. And then they had a free shuttle to the airport, which was literally across the street. So someone drove me over there and the airport in Fiji was so laid back. And I just went to my gate. It was interesting. They had like a little food court there, but not much in terms of vegan food, actually. I think I got some French fries because I was really hungry. And I walked around, like, then the shops had a ton of stuff. It was not the greatest in terms of food. And the prices were actually pretty high there, relatively. But then I got back on the Fiji Airways flight, this time straight to LA, and they served some good food. Unlike Philippine Airlines, their vegan options, I think, all contained gluten. I felt a little underprepared for that, too. I think, like... I got a sandwich, which was probably very good. The bread looked good, but it was like 
roasted vegetable sandwich. So I just picked out the veggies. For breakfast, though, actually take this back. The breakfast was like some sort of like mashed potato with a vegetable stew on the side. Every meal I had on these flights came with a roll and butter on the side. This way I was unsure if it was vegan. So that meal was fine. All of the food was good, just unfortunate if you have gluten sensitivities like me. One of them came with couscous and like a chickpea dish. And the breakfast it had vegan French toast. Also very glutinous. That looked incredible. I picked off, they had like berries and like a cool sauce on it. I picked all that stuff off and I was really bummed that I couldn't eat it. So lesson is, overall Fiji Airways, I preferred over Philippine, not food-wise though, for my sensitivity. Maybe you could request if you called, be both vegan and gluten-free, but I did not do that. It was just a little too much work (laughs) because on the website, you either choose vegan or gluten-free or whatever else. So getting accommodations can be challenging. So I would probably, in hindsight, have either eaten a little bit more in Fiji and or brought some more snacks for myself. But the flight was comfortable and they had amazing TV shows and movies to watch. It just all went flawless. And I got back to LA my second time at the Tom Bradley International Airport within like a week and had the same great experience using global entry to go through customs. It was so quick. And I went home and slept for 16 hours. Not immediately. I arrived in LA. It was pretty early in the day. So I stayed up all day long. I was like really working on the jet lag. But when I finally went to sleep that night, I didn't wake up until like four o'clock the next day. (laughs) So I then I gave up on my jet lag plan. That's maybe why I had those crazy body aches, like maybe from like the weird sleep schedule, sleeping on the airplanes, all the stuff I did, eating some gluten because I did try the French toast on the plane. My body was just so out of whack. So what I thought might have been COVID was probably jet lag and or post-travel adjustment, I suppose. So that's that. This episode ended up being a lot longer and very detailed. So if you made it all the way through, thank you for being on this journey with me. I did not expect to go quite in so much depth, but I'm sharing with you the things that I wish I had known, (laughs) the ups and downs of it all, all the nuances that I probably didn't even fully cover, but I wanted to give you, paint this picture of the adventure and maybe inspire you to go to the same places or go to somewhere else. It could be taking a road trip like I'm about to do. I mean, these experiences of just seeing new places, being challenged and stretched in new ways mentally, and knowing that you're not always going to be prepared and trying to find accommodations for yourself, saving room in your budget and your time and your mind for moments that don't quite go as planned or things that you didn't plan out. The Fiji experience, I think, since I was the least prepared for that, also ended up being so great because I just let go. Sure, I could have got an inexpensive tour. I probably could have gotten to those beaches for far less than 95. Maybe not. 
But I remember in that moment just deciding it's okay to spend that money. You know, <laughs> obviously money is a big factor for me, but I save up money for travel and I have these credit cards and I just had to get in a lot of interesting flows when it came to money. You certainly could do these trips on a budget. And if I can ever guide you through more tips specifically on what I would have done differently financially, I'm happy to do that because I want travel to be accessible. And I also hope that I post some of the videos I took. I will include photos in the show notes for this episode. Again, that's at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And whatever else, I'm here. Ask away. Ask me any other details I left out or any specifics you'd like to know about Fiji, Singapore, flying these airlines, going somewhere international during COVID, protecting yourself. Hopefully COVID won't always be this way. (laughs) It's amazing that COVID still feels so intense, at least for me, in July 2022. I remember when I was planning these trips thinking, oh, like, we're going to be through a lot of this. Nope. No, not in my opinion, at least. So I'm here for you. And I hope that despite budget challenges and health things going on in the world, that you still find a way to comfortably, safely travel. And I'm amazed that I made it through that trip without blowing my whole budget and getting COVID. So it gave me a little peace of mind, I suppose. And I hope it did for you too. And even if you decide to go places like this way in the future, there's so much to learn here that I'm happy to pass on. And if you never go there, I hope that you enjoyed the detailed experience of imagining it because that can do a lot for you too. With all this said, I'm going to go head out to prep for my next coach training session, which is coming up in about an hour for me, and then start planning for my next trip that I will share more about later. In the next few episodes, there'll be completely other unrelated topics, not about travel. So stay tuned for that. I have some amazing guests coming up for you. And I hope that you're doing well. And if you would like to chat, know that I am here to listen beyond all the talking that I do. So whether you want to join me in Beyond Measure or you want to talk privately, I will be sharing more details about the coaching offering when I go through this program and have that all set up. So if that's something you're interested in, stay tuned. At the very least, you get to hear my journey, learning how to be a better coach. And I would love to develop some sort of friendship and correspondence with you in whatever way possible. So know that you can reach me through social media, through email, through Beyond Measure, through in-person meetings on a trip somewhere. (laughs) That would be the greatest thing ever. So I hope one day I get to experience that with you. And until next time, I hope you're doing wonderfully and have wonderful rest of your day, whatever time it may be ahead of you, wherever you may be in the world. I hope it's a good one. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.